Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Friday, November 13th. A bunch of familiar faces finding success down the home stretch of these 2020 ATP and WTA seasons. Of course, you look at the women's action this week, the final tournament of the year going on in Linz, and it's going to feature three of the top four seeds in the event. Arena Sabalenka, last week's champion in Ostrava two weeks ago, whenever it was. Of course, Elisa Mertens, the 2020 WTA wins leader on the season, Ekaterina Alexandrova, who's been so consistent throughout this year as well. All three of them making the semifinal round, straight set victories in the quarterfinals. We'll talk about those matches, hear from them as well in this podcast. Of course, we got to talk about the action in Sofia as well as the Sin Man. Yannick Sinner becomes the first player uh, born in 2001 to reach an ATP final. Uh, of course, we'll talk about how he got there, who he's going to match up with in Saturday's championship round. Round, talk a little bit about the challenger action going on this week as well. But of course, the reason we're able to do this day in, day out here at Cracked Rackets, because of the support we get from you phenomenal listeners. And seriously, we are so grateful that you keep tuning in day in, day out. We are so grateful for our Patreon family who supports our content, whether that be our Deciding Point series, whether that be all the college tennis things we like to do. You just, again, we are so thankful to have a group that we know will support us no matter what we are trying to do. If you would like to join our Patreon family, you can find that link on our website, CrackedRackets.com. Of course, the other reason we are able to do this is because of the support we get from our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and I say this every day, but I mean it. If you're looking good, if you're feeling good, you are going to play better tennis on the court. It's just a fact. And if you turn to our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, it's going to be that much easier to do so. You go to MidwestSports.com, you're going to find anything you need from a tennis equipment standpoint. Use our promo code CR15. You'll get 15% off your order, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, that free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. You'll let them know we sent you there as well. MidwestSports.com, the promo code is CR15. Of course, for the only tennis-specific energy bar in the business, go check out our friends at Aerobar. More potassium, than a banana, delicious cinnamon, honey, oat, and chocolate chip flavor. And of course, it comes with our Getting to the Point podcast series, where this week we had James Blake on the show. Of course, it is always great when we can get a guest of that magnitude. The way you can support our friends at Aerobar, going to aerobar.com, picking up a case of Aerobars, using that promo code CRACKED15 to get 15% off your order. And again, letting them know that we sent you there. Look good, feel good, play good. Midwest Sports, Aerobar, Cracked Rackets. Now, with that in mind, let's talk about Friday's matches. And again, not going to be the longest podcast today because I would say the majority of these matches ended in straight sets. But let's start with the action in Linz where we had four uh, straight set quarterfinal matches. All still high quality tennis, but simply put, the good players, the top seeds are looking really, really good thus far in Linz. Let's start 
Well, we can just go in chronological order, I suppose. Barbara Krechikova, a 3-1 victory over Sasnovich. Now, I won't lie, I have not seen uh, much of the Krechik- of Krechikova play this week, but she looked really good in her match against Sasnovich. Krechikova, of course, the number one, if not number two, doubles player in the world. And, you know, she used her variety, she used her aggression really well in this match. It was so consistent on serve, made seven or won 77% of her first serve points, 63% of her second serve points. More importantly, Importantly, held Sasnovich to 4 of 21 on second serve points. I mean, look, Sasnovich was fine on the first serve. She was in this match from start to finish. She had plenty of chances, certainly, to stay alive, but you start to look at the result. I mean, Krechikova, when she was able to play offense, when she was able to take aggressive stances in the point, it was over. You know, she just had so much success in this match from start to finish. Ultimately, again, Krechikova never in doubt a 3-1 victory for her over Sasnovich. Really good year for Sasnovich. You look at where she is now at in the live rankings, of course. She has been ranked as high as number 30 in the world, but she is back inside the top 100, which again, given all the uncertainty heading into 2021 for Sasnovich, that is where you want to be on the right path. Certainly looked good this week in Linz. Let's move now, though, to our next match. And, of course, after this one, Ekaterina Alexandrova is yet to drop a set this week in Linz. Two-in-one victory over Nadia Podoroska. And simply put, Alexandrova's ability to take the ball early in this match and go down the line, change direction on Podoroska, keep her on her back foot, that was the difference in this match. And, you know, Podoroska uh, just, she's a really nice athlete. She plays some, again, really, really high level of tennis all year long. She's something like 43 and eight on the years where she finished. She goes from outside the top 200 to inside the top 50, which again, as a 23-year-old, that is a successful season no matter what your standards are. But she just couldn't do anything to disrupt the rhythm of Alexandrova in this match. And sure, Podoroska had plenty of chances. You look at the actual stats, it was a two-in-one match, but you know it's not as though Podoroska didn't have chances to win games, didn't create a couple of break points for herself. Just Alexandrova, it seemed like, was able to take control of the majority of the rallies. The stats re- reflect that fact. Alexandrova, 25 of 31 on first serve points, 36 of 51 overall on serve. She holds uh, Podoroska to 10 of 29 on first serve points and 17 of 39 overall. So, I mean, Alexandra was just able to take control of points. It seems like she did a really good job absorbing the spin of Podoroska, uh, absorbing that heavy top spin, playing flat down the line, changing direction, taking time away. This was a phenomenal win for Alexandra, who I think has her first top 50 win of uh, the restarted 2020 season. And, you know, she started out the year, I talked about this a little bit yesterday, in such good form, but clearly this was a step forward for her this season, and we actually got the chance to speak with our winner, talk a little bit about, again, what's working so well for her right now, the steps she has taken forward here this season. Westoff, roll that clip, please. Congratulations on the win, Ekaterina. Um, to follow up on these points, uh, you know, this year you started the year ranked 35. You're now inside the top 30, and I'm sure you're not focused on your ranking, but I'm curious, as you've continued to ascend, you know, what do you think has been the biggest difference? What's the most difficult part about going from top 30 to even top 25? Uh, honestly, I don't know. <laughs> uh, maybe I just start thinking about the ranking and more like, on my play in total so just not think about the score and the ranking and everything else and just stay more focused on every single point on the play 
Mm-hmm. And Maybe for you, yeah, no, it, I, I'm sure it's tough. Uh, for you moving into this off season, given the success you have had, what will be the things that you've noticed in your game you need to work on most to continue to rise in the rankings? Uh, I think I can uh, change more in my game. I, I can be more consistent uh, on the serve, on the return, forehand, backhand. Maybe going more to the net when it's needed. So sometimes I'm just waiting on the baseline when I need to go forward. And just like, I just want to be more consistent in total, like in every aspect of the game. Well, congratulations on the win. It was just an excellent performance from Alexandrova, and she'll move on now to the semifinals to take on Elisa Mertens. That will be a really fun match. I do, though, want to give all of you listeners a clip. We had the chance to speak with Podoroska. Obviously, this was her final match of the 2020 season. Such a step forward for her. She talked a little bit about that, what she's going to be working on moving into this offseason. You know, a lot of her success has come on the clay. I wanted to ask her how focused she will be on working on hard courts during this uh, time before the action starts in Australia. Westoff, let's roll the clip of that answer. I'm sure not the result you were looking for today, but for you, you got, you know, a bunch of hardcore uh, repetitions in this season, whether it be early the year on the 25K level here now on the indoors. I'm curious how much of your off-season training you've had so fast on clay will be hardcore centric to, you know, prepare you for the next few seasons? Sorry, can you repeat this again? Yeah, no, sorry about that. I'm just curious, how much training will you do on hard courts this offseason? Uh, you've had so much success on clay. Is that something you're going to be focused on? Yeah, of course. For for Australia, we prepare the, the hard court season. I I like to play in, on on hard. My best results were in in clay, but I I really like to play hard too. Mm-hmm. And so moving into 2021, I know you still haven't thought about it, but what are the few things in your game you'll be looking to improve this offseason? I will try to, to improve my, my serve, uh, my, my game at, at the net. I think it's, that is very good, very important to, to finish the, the point. Um, yeah, I will be focused on that, I think. It was a phenomenal season for Nadia Podoroska, certainly one of the biggest winners of the restart here in 2020, of course, semifinals of the French Open, something she will never forget, no matter how successful she is or isn't throughout the rest of her career. That's one of those defining moments, certainly, so a huge shout out to her on a fantastic step forward this season, uh, but again, Alexandra just too good today, 6-2-6-1. It's going to be really fun to watch her match against Elisa Mertens. Mertens, her first straight set win win of the week, 4-1 and one over Kuder Matova, and I talked about this a little bit yesterday, but I think we saw it once again in this match. Merton's ability to go off speed, to you know elevate her ground strokes 12, 15, even sometimes 20 feet over the net, just to you know sort of take the take slow the match down, I suppose is the word I'm looking for, and take, you know, give herself I should say, some time to reset each and every point. It's it's really, really impressive, uh, the level she, the different, the variety of things 
she can do on court. And then she'll go short angles. She'll take that backhand early on the rise down the line. She can just do so many different things. And again, in her early opponents, Kuder Matova, Zvonareva, Kalnina, she's p- playing players who want to take big rips, who want to go down the line, who want you to hit them the same ball so that they can find the rhythm and just eventually go, you know, just uh, take time away from you and uh, just go down the line, down the line, winner after winner after winner, get you on your back foot. And Mertens doesn't allow them to do that. She'll play slice as well. I just thought that she'll move forward. She's comfortable doing that. Her serve has gotten better and better throughout this tournament in this match for uh, Mertens. She, I think, had her best percentages thus far. Yeah, only made 47% of her first serves, which not great, Bob, not great. But uh, I don't know why that's the accent I went with. Leave it in, West stuff. Anyways, 21 of 26, though, on those first serve points, 15 of 29 on second serve points. Uh, Kuder Matova under 50% on all of her service percentages. Uh, this was just a clean match from Elisa Mertens from start to finish. And, you know, I actually got the chance to ask her with all of the tennis she's played, how do her legs feel? You know, she's a pro athlete, right? And certainly we hear all the time a semifinal loss of, oh, they just played a bunch of tough matches beforehand. I just wanted to know, is there any truth to that fact? Do these players, you know, how are these professional athletes feeling at the end of the season? Is there any rundown? Of course, I also wanted to ask her a little bit about her serve, how important that is. We have the clips from that conversation. So, of course, Westoff, roll it. Lisa, congratulations on the victory. Uh, I've noticed this week, and maybe this has to do with the sort of players you're playing, but one of the adjustments you made is you seem to be, you know, taking the point to neutral, elevating four hands high over the net. I'm doing the hand signal there, so you know what I'm talking about. But is that a play that you've been, you know, consciously aware of, and why do you think that is effective to disrupt your opponent's rhythm? Um, the bounce here is a little lower, so it's really important to accelerate to get the ball um, over the net, not into the net, don't hit too flat, you know, that's what the, you teach the young kids to do. Um, so yeah, to, you know, change the rhythm a little bit sometimes, um, also important against uh, those hard hitters, but most of all, you know, you know, the confidence in the shot, you need to really accelerate if you put a higher ball. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, the confidence of shot, I feel like the down the line is probably normally one of the riskiest shots, and that seems to be for you very well. Uh, when you're feeling a rhythm on those sorts of shots, you know, the down the line, what does that do for the rest of your game? Um, yeah, you know, to, to change um, directions. If you're the first one, then sometimes you have an advantage. You know, if it's too short, then it's definitely a disadvantage. But if you hit a good one, you can build the point up and maybe come to the net, come forward. Um, so, yeah, I think it was important today to, to let her run a little bit. Mm-hmm. Last one for you, I promise. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, the sort of match play, you've played a ton of matches here in 2020, but at the same time, you know, you're still a pro athlete. And so you're in as good of shape as anyone in the world. I'm curious, are you feeling it in your legs at this point of the season? Is there any fatigue or do you feel ready to go for these next few matches, however many there may be? I'm ready to go. You know, I, I try to do everything I, I need to do after um, a good match, uh, after a good night of sleep. You know, you need to warm up. You need to go to the physio and everything. So it's just, you know, be professional about it. And it's the last tournament of the year. So um, I'm going to give everything I still have. Yeah, well, congratulations. Good luck to you this week. Thank you. 
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Quick side note, a huge shout out to the WTA team for, you know, all of the hard work they put in facilitating this access. Obviously, I am not currently in Austria. I don't know why that would be obvious to you. I suppose I could be recording this anywhere. Anyways, I am not currently in Austria, but their ability to facilitate all of this access over Zoom make it that much easier for all of us to still stay in touch to get the opportunities to speak with these players. Uh, it, it is awesome. So, uh, you know, we've had the chance to have Mertens on the show now, a, a clips from Mertens. I should say a couple of times. I know I have greatly appreciated the opportunity to speak with these players. A huge shout out to the WTA for allowing that to happen. Of course, someone else we've talked to a lot as we covered the action in Ostrava, Arena Sabalenka, who just continues to look so outstanding on indoor in indoor hardcore tennis. I should say a six three 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 victory for her after Ocean Doden forced to retire. I believe she rolled her ankle, and you know, uh, obviously wishing her a speedy and safe recovery. Sabalenka, of course, said as much as as well in the post-match presser, but for Arena Sabalenka, here's the numbers that stand out. 41 of 51 in terms of making her first serves. Eight aces, only one double fault. She wins 29 of those 41 first serve points. She's 34 of 51 overall on serve. She's taking advantage of the Dodan second serve, you know, has 10 break point chances, only manages to break twice, but that's good enough for her to be in the lead when this match, of course, ended. And I just think she looks so confident, and we've talked about her so much. So rather than hear my thoughts on her game, let's hear her thoughts on her game. Westoff, roll it. Congrats on the win, Arena. Um, I just want to follow up to something you answered with, Michael. Are you someone who will uh, film of your opponent, watch a match, watch whatever you can find your hands on before you play them? Yeah, of course. I'm... Uh... Looking at the statist and um, trying to see what she's doing, like uh, her best shots and her weak shots. So, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of prepare myself for the match. I cannot go out there and, like, to don't know what to expect from the opponent. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's no. going to be not easy to win then. <laughs> no, definitely. I'm sure they're watching your film as well. Um, you know, again, I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think you've won something like nine matches in a row now. And I'm just curious, could you walk us through what your routine has been for these matches? Is there something you've noticed in your preparation these past two weeks that has helped you get off to, you know, be a success on the court? I think like if I play evening matches, I'm kind of relaxed on the like till the middle of the day and like uh, trying to do not overthink about tennis. Just uh, um, maybe speak with my family, with my friends, and just like a little chill time. And then like when when it's time closer to the match, I'm starting to like prepare myself and like trying to be really focused and don't do not spend my energy for like something else. So yeah, and this has really helped me um, to be like 100% on the matches. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear what you're doing during chill time as well, but I'll save that for a different time. Uh, today, you made 80% of your first serves and obviously that helped you set up a lot of what you wanna do with your ground strokes. I'm just curious, how important is that first serve to the effectiveness of your game? Uh, 
I mean, of course, I can play from the baseline, and uh, I, I think I'm not the bad, not the bad player. And but if I serve really well, it's it's big advantage to me. So and um, uh, I think I have to work on my serve and make sure I can serve this um, this well like every match. So because this is like big advantage to me, and uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying playing when I serve well it's of course it's easier to play when you make like aces when like your first serve 80% in and like you put the pressure on the opponent and you can feel it and you're kind of um confidence with yourself on the return games because you know that you're serving well and it's nothing to afraid on, on your serve so yeah this is really important and I think this is uh, this is what I have to work on and make sure I can be that uh, consistency in the next matches I will quickly add one last thing on Sabalenka. Having had the chance to see her body language during these press conferences, she is someone who is very confident right now, very much enjoying her level of play, very much enjoying being out court. It's it's palpable, very much so. You can just tell she's having a lot of fun out there. And obviously, when you're having fun, it's going to lead to better tennis. So shout out to her advancing to the semifinals. She tomorrow is going to have a really fun match against Barbara Krechikova. Of course, Mertens versus Alexandrova should be really exciting as well. So the action heating up in our final WTA event of the year in Linz, of course, in terms of the action in Sofia, was a semifinal Friday, which doesn't quite have the alliteration to make it sound that beautiful, but nevertheless produced some really fun tennis. You look at the action in Sofia, uh, one three-set match of those two semifinal matches. You look at our two results on Friday. Let's start with the Sin Man, Yannick Sinner, 6-3-7-5 victory over Adrian Manorino. Of course, Adrian Manorino coming off of that finals appearance in Nur Sultan. He's looked really good at these indoor hardcourt events of late. Just so consistent, right? Such a tough out for any opponent. And, you know, what's so impressive for uh, Yannick Sinner in this match was just the ease with which he handled uh, everything Manorino seemed to throw at him. He didn't uh, start you know, getting uh, angsty. He didn't start forcing backhands down the line or these aggressive strokes that might otherwise draw uh, a Manorino error or try to force his way to the net. No, he was patient. He waited for the ball to attack on. He was fine playing backhands cross-court to the Manorino forehand and, you know, waiting until Manorino played a ball in the center to open up the forehand for himself. When he got a forehand, he was more than comfortable playing inside in on the ad side or cross-court while on the run on the deuce side. And he just played a really, really good match from start to finish. The stats, of course, reflecting that fact. You look here for Yannick Sinner. I mean, just an outstanding... um result from start to finish. Now, he probably wants that first serve percentage to be a little bit higher, only 51% in this match, but he's 29 of 36 on first serve points, 19 of 35 on second serve points, faced, uh, saves all three break points he faced during the match, two for two on his break point chances. I mean, that's the efficiency of a six-year, seven-year, eight-year veteran on tour. Yannick Sinner, 19 years old, of course, with this victory. And by the way, it was a, it was a really smart match from Manorino, who played to the center of the court or to the center backhand side, who made the match as physical as possible, but just... 
too much firepower from Yannick Sinner in this one, who, again, becomes the first player born in 2001 to reach an ATP final. You look at some of the other names he joins, of course, Felix, Oshir, Aliasim, Demonauer, Tiafo, Fritz, Chorch, Kyrgios, the guys to do it since 1995. You go back a little bit further, you'll see names like Team, Dimitrov, Rayonich, Nishikori, Delpo, Marie Nadal, Burdich, Soderling, Verdasco. If Verdasco's your worst-case scenario, I think Yannick Sinner are going to be pretty happy. Uh, obviously, actually, he might at this point be pretty disappointed, but you know, if you are told you're going to get Fernando Verdasco's career at age 19, you're probably pretty happy with that fact. Anyways, he joins that list of people, the first of his age group, to make a final. Of course, he becomes uh, one of the youngest players since, I believe, 2000 to reach an ATP final, the 20th youngest, if or 21st youngest, if my math is correct. He does it at age 19.24. You look at the youngest player to do it. Rafa was 17 and a half when he did it uh, in Auckland. Nishikori is another name on this list. You see Federer, Murray, FAA, Roddick, Hewitt, Demonauer, Monfils, Robredo. Again, a lot of good names. Novak Djokovic, Stefano Tsitsipas. A lot of good names. Uh, a lot of good company. Yannick Sinner has joined with his results here down the home stretch. And, you know, if the ranking formula had not been adjusted, if it was the standard rankings used in every season that isn't, you know, 2020, and we understand why the rankings were adjusted to protect those players who couldn't play right now. But under any other circumstance, Yannick Sinner would have been a top 20 player this season. You look at the amount of points he has accumulated on the year. In fact, Yannick Sinner in the race to London, not that he would have ever had a chance to qualify this season, probably never, uh, and not probably, definitely didn't do well enough at the slams overall, but number 37 on the year in the race to uh, the year-end finals. And for a 19-year-old, obviously, he's the youngest guy in the top 50, and justifiably so. I mean, his rankings continuing to skyrocket each and every day. He's starting out the 2021 season exactly where he wants to be, and we all should be very excited for uh, the next few years of Yannick Sinner because it feels like he is ready to make a big jump as soon as uh, you know the tour resumes in 2021. Of course, in the final tomorrow, he's going to take on Vashik Pospisil, who just wore down Richard Gasquet, and Gasquet played with great variety in the first set, did so much to just keep Pospisil off of his rhythm, to throw balls at the Pospisil feet and just not allow Vashik to easily move forward, but just too much firepower from Vashik. Indoor hardcourt, 6-7, love victory for him to advance to the final. He is still looking to win the first ATP title of his career, and I'm sure he likes his chances tomorrow about against the Sin Man. Certainly, he's got the weapons to take it to Yannick. I expect that match to go the distance. It should be a really, really fun one, and you look for Vashik Pospisil. Again, quietly this year, really reestablished himself as a top 100, if not even better. Maybe you could argue top 50 player, certainly on the indoor hard courts, and with this result uh, for Vashik Pospisil, he is now, I believe, comfortably back inside the top 100. In fact, you look for Pospisil number 61 uh, with these results. Top 60, you're going to get into pretty much every event. You should probably get into qualifying even at Masters events. So for Vashik Pospisil, 30 years old, uh, he's going to enjoy a nice next, I think, two, three, four years uh, inside the top 100 and particularly indoor hardcourt events. He will always continue to look dangerous. But that's your action in Sofia. Quickly, our note on the challenger level events in Bratislava and Kerry. Uh, it's, it should be a really fun weekend of tennis. You look at who we have going into a semifinal Saturday in Bratislava. It's going to be Tomas Mahak uh, taking on, I believe, 
Actually, I think they're a day ahead, if memory serves me. They might be a day ahead uh, of us here. On I think they are playing the final today. Are they playing it tomorrow? I'm not exactly sure. I do know in the semifinals it was Mahak taking out uh, Lucas Klein. It was Max Martyrer taking out Antoine Huang in carry. I'll look up that information for you. We'll get our stats guy on it, by the way. In carry was a quarterfinal Friday. Thank you here. Uh, we had Kudla knocking out Dimitri Popko, Daniel Galan knocking out Chris Eubanks, Pranesh Gunaswara three sets over Bellucci, and then former Ohio State standout Mikhail Torpegard, 6-2-3-6-7-5 over Brandon Nakashima. That match was absolutely delightful, folks. I don't know if any of you uh, have had the chance to watch yet. If not, livestream.com slash ATP. You can find all of the replays, all of the fun details. You can also find YouTube highlights of this match as well. It was incredibly physical, and I mean, I would say for Brandon Nakashima, the one thing you take away from that match is you have to find a way to make points a little bit easier for yourself and you know for Brandon he's just so solid off of both wings he is never going to beat himself in a match but at 19 years old you know you come across someone who's very similar in Mikhail Torpegard who's got a little bit more juice on the backhand a little bit more juice on the backhand excuse me more juice on the serve a little bit more pop on the forehand when he really wants to turn into it and then I would say a little bit of a better volleyer Uh, you know Torpegard was able to hang with Nakashima step for step physically he kept attacking the Nakashima forehand as well. Of course, it's not that the Nakashima forehand is very attackable. It's just that backhand is so rock solid. But, you know, the match was physical. Uh, it was a really good one. It was an either-or sort of battle. And ultimately, you know, the 26, 27-year-old Torpegard beat the 19-year-old Nakashima. And this was, I think, a really good result for Brandon. Again, quarterfinals. He's only 19 years old. Not everyone can jump up the rankings as fast as a Yannick Sinner. But certainly at the end of last season, Sinner started winning a couple of challengers, winning some ATP matches. I think Nakashima is is right there. I think next year we should see him win his... Uh, did he win a challenger this year? I don't think he he did, I could very much expect to see Brandon Nakashima win his first challenger title in the 2021 season. I think that's probably the expectation for him heading into the year. And, you know, I think the top 100 is a call. And so it's a matter of, again, when, not if for Brandon. More than anything, this was a really, really good result for Torpegard. Uh, and again, he will take on in the semifinals. I believe he is playing uh, Pranesh Gunaswaran. It's going to be Galan versus Kudla. Uh, regardless, it will be a really fun semifinal day and a really fun Sunday final as well. So I know I speak for all of us when I say we will be tuned in to Mike, Mike C. Tennis at Mikeation at Mikeation. He's at Mike C. Tennis Mikeation. There it is. Leave that in as well, West Off and the USTA Pro Circuit. Of course, you all can find all those matches on Livestream.com slash ATP. Uh, but that was all the action on Friday. Of course, if you have missed anything else going on in the professional tennis world, be sure again to go check out our website, CrackRackets.com where you can find all of our content. You need the more immediate updates. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. We are at Cracked Rackets. You want to message me directly, I'm at Great Shot Pod. Shout out, as always, to our super producers, Max Fliegler and Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job they do day in, day out. Shout out as well to our friends at Midwest Sports and DraftKings. Go to MidwestSports.com. Use the promo code CR15. Go to DraftKings.com. DraftKings, excuse me. Go to AeroBar.com. Use the promo code CRACKED15. One other note on tomorrow's podcast. I know we have not yet talked about it, but Jamie McDonald will be joining me for a little bit of ATP World Tour Finals talk for a little bit of Guess the Lines. We'll talk about the Lins final on Sunday between Merton 
Martins and Sabalenka. We'll talk about the first four matches of the ATP Tour Finals in London and so much more. So be on the lookout for that podcast tomorrow. But with that in mind, for our super producers, Max Flinger and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Midwest Sports and Aerobar, and all of us here at both Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we will talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.